Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, June 25th, 2019. Today we're reading from the Big Book, Chapter 3, and we're on page 35, the third paragraph. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Alice G., for the 12 traditions, Esther F., and reading the text are Terry A.H., Becca R., and Allison L. The reference numbers for Monday, June 24th, 2019, for the 7 a.m. is 13,071. That's 13071. And for the 10 a.m. is 13,072. That's 13072. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Alice G. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, all. This is Alice G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Wisconsin. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for the opportunity to serve. Thank you, Alice. And I will now ask Esther F. to read the 12 traditions. 
Good morning, everyone. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside uh, enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the bid book on page 35, the third paragraph. We told him what we knew, and we're just reading that one paragraph. I will ask Terry A.H. to begin reading. Thanks, Katie. Good morning, Vision View. My name is Terry A.H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maine. We told him what we knew of alcoholism and the answer we had found. He made a beginning. His family was reassembled, and he began to work as a salesman for a business he had lost through drinking. All went well for a time, but he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. To his consternation, he found himself drunk half a dozen times in rapid succession. On each of these occasions, we worked with him, reviewing carefully what had happened. He agreed he was a real alcoholic and in serious condition. He knew he faced another trip to the asylum if he kept on. Moreover, he would lose his family, from whom he had a deep affection. And um, again, my name is Terry A.H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maine, and um, let me set my timer. 
Um, I can so identify with Jim. Um, first of all, I want to say, like, I really love Jim. He, uh, he's so me. I'm so him. And um, out of all the four stories, he's one of my favorites. Um, he is my favorite. So um, with, with this paragraph, you know, Jim knew of his alcoholism, which was step one, and the answer that he had found, which was step two, and he made a beginning, which was step three. But what he didn't do was he didn't continue with more action. He just stopped drinking. And it, it reminds me back on page um, 19 where it says we feel that the elimination of our drinking is but a beginning. And then um, a little bit further down, it gives us another warning. It says if we keep on this way, we're going. There is little doubt uh, that much good will result, but the surface of the problem would highly be scratched. And I can totally identify in with Jim with just putting down uh, the drink for him and with the food for me with no further action and many, many relapses. Um, I had a, I had um, and heard a lot of stuff in, in meetings that uh, definitely couldn't be reconciled with the program as described in the big book. You know, I would hear things like, um, you know, think the bite through, don't eat no matter what, you know, put the plug in the jug. And um, it wasn't that I couldn't put the plug in the jug. For me, being the real compulsive overeater, it was always I would pull the pull the plug back out and um, it just never worked because lack of power is my dilemma like Jim and we read, you know, um, a few paragraphs back on page 34. It says, for those who are unable to drink moderately, the question is how to stop altogether. We're assuming, of course, that the reader desires to stop whether such a person can quit upon a non-spiritual basis depends on the extent which has already lost the power to choose whether he will drink or not. So for me, the difference between someone who can, who can stop on a non-spiritual basis and someone who can't is that they probably didn't lose the ability to choose. So like Jim, I have no power because I lack power choice and control. And for me, just putting down my alcoholic foods and knowing my first step problem is not going to keep me from relapsing over and over again. And I know my real truth today, um, just putting down uh, the alcoholic foods with no further action, for me, it's like painting over rust. It starts to look good on the outside, but underneath is still rust. And if lack of power is my dilemma, then I need to have continued access to this power, and I can only get that as a result of having a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps, um, because what I've learned today, it's an inside problem, um, but it will always look for an external condition for me not to do the work. So I've learned my first step truth that it's an inside problem with an inside solution, and I need this power on a daily basis. So thanks for letting me share. With that, I'll pass. Thank you for getting us started, Terry. So we're on the third third um, paragraph on page 35 in the chapter more about alcoholism. We told them what we knew. And so if you have not shared in the last few days, if you could please give me your first name and the first initial of your last name. Nancy P. Larry K. Larry K. Reva P. Reva P. Nancy P. Tara I got S. Nancy T. Okay. And Nancy Tara P. S. And Nancy P. Okay, I wasn't sure. Y'all kind of sound alike. Okay. Tara S. I can take one, two more. Okay, this is who I have. Nancy T. Larry K. Reba P. Tara S. And Nancy P. Anyone else? Okay, let's go with that. Nancy T. 
first, and then Larry Kay. Thank you. Good morning, Nancy T, recovered compulsive overeater in Lewiston, Idaho. I also love Jim, and I can really relate to him. He, I, you know, his experience has been my experience. And, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had a speaker, Leslie, I believe, and she um, said something about she never really had relapses because she never really recovered and had the experience. And I could relate to that. My story was I was in and out, in and out, in and out. Um, but never really had the true experience. I was kind of like Jim here. I made a beginning, but I never followed it through to the end and had um, the the vital spiritual experience as the big book def- uh, describes it. Um, so I made a beginning, but I failed to enlarge my spiritual life. And then what happened is I was finally um, willing. I, you know, desperation beat me into a state of willingness to work the steps according to what I hear on this line every single morning, exactly as written in the big book. And I worked the, I worked the steps and I had an amazing experience, one that I've never experienced before. I experienced the 10 step promises. I had neutrality around food, but again, I, you know, I missed that critical word there in large, you know, I made the connection. I made the connection, but I wasn't growing spiritually. And so pretty soon that started, it started to, um, chip away and go down and I and I was doing less and less of the necessary work on page 14 the last line it tells me um, that I have to the the way I perfect and enlarge my spiritual life is through work and self-sacrifice for others so while I was sponsoring other people I wasn't doing my personal necessary work to grow spiritually and that's what Jim's experience tells me is I have to do that and so today that's the most important thing in my day is to do something that I am growing spiritually um, there's one other thing in this paragraph that I like and I use. Um, it says, on each of these occasions, we worked with him reviewing carefully what had happened. I have sponsees sometimes when they have a relapse back into the food, they balk a little bit about going back and reviewing what happened. And I just point to these examples in the big book. There's more than one of them. This is just one of them where it's really important that we go back and review what happened. Let's see what we missed. What critical piece are we missing? And when he did that, Jim agreed he was a real alcoholic. So he um, identified in as we have to for this solution that we're the real thing. So I am so grateful to be on this meeting with you all this morning and so grateful that I can be recovered today and growing spiritually one day at a time. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy T. Okay, Larry Kay, you're up, followed by Reva P. Good morning, Katie. Thanks so much, Larry Kay. Um, recovered this morning. It says, we told him what we knew of alcoholism and the answer we had found. And, um, you know, so what's the answer? Because if there isn't precise clarity on what the answer is, well, you know, then we're going to keep chasing chasing after what the answer is not. And that's what I did. I, ch- I chased a lot of things that I thought were the answer, but they weren't the answer at all. So if we focus on, uh, you know, the, I mean, even the, the, the 12th step you know, it, it, it doesn't say having had weight loss as the result of a diet. We then carried the message of a diet to the, the, the still suffering, right? Having had a spiritual awakening, that's the answer. The spiritual awakening comes about by working the steps, the 12 steps in sequence, following the instructions for each step. If you do that with integrity, of course the food, the alcohol is down. If you do that with integrity, you will have a spiritual awakening sufficient to eradicate the the obsession. You will begin to change internally. You know, the, um, 
the the other part is you know when you look at the doctor's opinion, Doctor Silkworth, you know, he, he you know they cannot start drinking without developing the phenomenon of craving, you know, and and we talk about that phenomenon, and it says the only relief we have to suggest uh, is entire abstinence. It, can you imagine if it said, look, the only relief that we have to suggest is partial abstinence, you know, listening, going to a meeting, rote memorization of the 12 steps. That's not what it says at all. The only relief we have to suggest before you embark on the, these steps, which will bring you to this new state, the only relief we have to suggest first is entire abstinence. Now, you know, the answer is that by working the 12 steps with integrity, which among other things means working the steps while you're not drunk. And I worked the steps when I was still drunk. I was a lot less drunk than I used to be, I'll tell you that, but I was still a little bit drunk and I knew it. And I wasn't working the steps with integrity, so I didn't get this solution. I couldn't access the answer. I couldn't be brought into alignment with the higher power of my own understanding because I was trying to game the system. I was trying to, to control it and work my way. How will you know that you've tapped into the answer? Well, here's what Dr. Jung described it. There will be huge emotional displacements and rearrangements, ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these people are suddenly cast to one side and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. You know, what made me think that I'd be completely dominated by a God-centered consciousness by merely hanging out and dieting? You can't just hang out and diet. If that were so, then there'd be no need for the 12 steps, which leads to the answer. That's the answer to have the spiritual awakening. All you'd need is a diet and a few good men and women to motiva motivate us to stay on a diet. That's not so. The answer is in the steps. Thanks so much, Katie. I pass. Thank you, Larry. Okay, Reva P., you're up, followed by Tara S. Good morning. This is Reva P., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. The thing that's striking me this morning is the word enlarge, like to make bigger, expansive. And to me, the connotation is that there's no limit when I'm enlarging something. Um, it's not a finite thing. And when I came into program, and I still can be this way, I'm so goal-oriented, outcome-oriented. Um, I thought, you know, when I get to a stable weight, then I'm finished, like I've reached the goal. Or even, you know, I can sort of intellectually get, I don't work a 12-step program and finish in step three. So let's say I work all the way to 12. Oh, I'm finished. Um, and this business of being finished or graduating or completing the course, completing the 12-step program, um, really did not serve me well. Um, and what I've come to understand is enlarge my spiritual life. Um, there's no limit. And every 24 hours, I'm enlarging my spiritual life. Because the insights that I got yesterday, the ahas that I got from last month's you know, 10, 11, 12 are not going to serve me today. Um, just as the disease progresses, my spiritual life needs to progress to um, match it and hopefully, you know, surpass it. Um, and it's not a concept that I really like. 
Um, I like to just be finished, um, but I'm never finished in this program. And I'm amazed that after so many years, there's more and more truth that is revealed, more and more stuff that gets uncovered and transformed. Um, so it's a great reminder, you know, even when we finish 4 through 9, 10 to 12, like it's just um, somebody shares what? Rinse, wash, repeat. Like it's just repeat, repeat, continue. The second thing that struck me is, you know, what happened when he failed? Um, what happened when he, he, um, he fell off um, and, and lost his sobriety? We worked with him, reviewing carefully what had happened. And that's a great reminder um, of gratitude that my sponsor hasn't or never dropped me. It's about reviewing, uh, rewinding in slow motion, you know, what led up to something so that I can learn for the future um, and then change um, what I do from then on. And um, with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva. Okay, um, Tara S., you're up, followed by Nancy P., and then we'll open it up for more shares. Tara S., star one, please. Hi, can I be heard? Yes, you can. Thank you. Hi, good morning, everyone. I'm Tara S. from North Carolina. So, um, Jim's story, it reminds me of myself when I was going through the one, two, three waltz of OA, um, of knowing that I had a problem but failing to enlarge my spiritual life and of wanting to game the system, of wanting to think I was too clever to have to fully put down the food or too clever to really work the steps or even buy a big book. That's where I was at. Um, and, you know, when I was doing that one, two, three walls um, and not even really surrendering, not even really doing one, all went well for a time. When I put the food down, I felt better. You know, I didn't have the brain fog or my body didn't hurt and I wasn't bloated. All these things. I felt great for a bit. Um, but I was, as the book, big book says, I was like a boy whistling in the dark to himself to make himself feel better. If I could go back to the food and feel good, I would. I would go back in a second. And in fact, I did many times. Um, I was fooling myself. Um, I hadn't had a spiritual awakening. And my problem is that I can't stop once I've started, but I also can't stop from starting. Um, and so the food taught me just as the drink teaches Jim here. He was drunk several times in rapid succession. Um, and I'm sure, you know, when he started with his drinking problem, it, he wasn't, you know, drunk several times in rapid succession, but it's a progressive disease that gets worse and worse over time. Um, and so the, the drink taught him and he realized on his own, you, you notice here that the AAers didn't tell him, hey, you know, you have a serious problem. You have a serious condition. You're a real, real alcoholic. No, he found that out on his own. He agreed he was a real alcoholic um, and he knew that he faced another trip to the asylum if he asylum if he kept on so just as that alcohol taught him the food taught me um and i knew that if i had this problem if i was a real compulsive overeater that these 12 steps were the answer to my problem um for they had dug others who had out of this out of this exact situation um and with that i passed thank you 
Thank you, Tara S. And Nancy P., it's your turn. Hi, thanks for letting me share. I just want to set my timer. Um, so yeah, this I would echo what other people say, except for me, I just feel like I'm a broken record with this. It's all about surrender. You know, my um, my experience in this program is that, you know, I um, I knew about alcoholism, step one, and the answers that other people had found, step two, and I made a beginning, step three. But, um, you know, I sort of, not, I found myself drunk in quick succession from 1971 to 2017 because I didn't surrender. I had no idea how to enlarge my spiritual life because, you know, the freedom that I found from just not eating for a while made me feel like I had, you know, arrived. Like Bill said, you know, I had arrived. And um, I never really examined um truly examined the, you know, four through nine, especially. And so I didn't surrender because I thought I've got this, you know, self-knowledge was going to do it for me. All the things that they say don't work except for surrender. And, you know, I had, I did lose a lot. You know, I cracked up a bunch of cars. I um, alienated friends. I put a huge strain on my marriage. Um, You know, my kids, you know, who would want to, you know, who would want a mother like me? I was a yelling mother, you know, screaming all the time. And, um, and then, you know, my higher power thought that I was worth saving. So I got, a, you know, a ballistic missile shot into my life to get my attention. That's what it took, not a two by four. That would have been too easy for me. And um, when I finally surrendered, only, only because I just couldn't move you know, then I was willing to examine um, four through nine, starting with step four. I mean, I had read this book a million times and felt very uplifted, right? It's very uplifting to read this book. It just speaks to us. Everybody says, oh, I can so identify. Oh, my God, it really spoke to me. But reading it and living it, for me, were two totally different things. So, yes, I found myself drunk in quick succession for 47 years. Um, but lucky for me, and with the worst thing that ever happened to me, not only did I not hurt myself with food, but I truly grew spiritually. And today, you know, I've only had almost two years away, you know, without hurting myself with food. Um, but I pinch myself that I got through that or, you know, didn't eat during that and, and continue to grow. And the further I get away from the edge of my of my recovery, the further I get away from the center, it's just, that's the, that's the payoff. That's the, that's the good news is that it it can go on infinitely. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you so much, Nancy P. Okay. Um, If you've just joined us, we're in chapter three, more about alcoholism. We're on page 35 the third paragraph, which is also the last paragraph, we told them what we knew of alcoholism. So if you haven't shared in the last couple of days, please give me your first name and the first initial of your last name. Carlita S. Carlita. Kelly S. Tina S. Vasa O. Vasa O. I think I heard Fran M. Fran M. Margot P. 
Margo P. Okay, let me stop right there for a moment and recap who I got. Okay, I have Carlisa. I'm sorry, I didn't get your initial. Kelly S. Tina S. Vasa O. Suzanne, I think I heard, and I don't know the initial. Fran, maybe M, I'm not sure. And Margo P. Um, is that right? Yep, Fran M. Anyone? Fran M, okay. Okay, did I miss anyone? I'm sorry, what was the page number? Yes, we're on page 35, the last paragraph. We told him what we knew of alcoholism. Thank you. Okay, so if everyone could please mute your phones again, unless you're Carlisa. And then that will be followed by Kelly S. Good morning, Carlisa C. Here. Thank you for your service. Thanks, everyone, for making this meeting happen. And I'll keep my eye on the time. And please, uh, facilitator, if you, if you, if I go over, I know you'll shout out to me. So I'm encouraged by this paragraph for several reasons. Um, because, of course, I see myself in gym. But I know that other people probably do, too. And one of the lines that um, I really love is, to his consternation, to his dismay, to his, uh, can't, I can't believe it happened again, he found himself drunk a half a dozen times in rapid succession. So that definitely is uh, my state of mind, at my kind of thinking um, at some point. So as uh, this book says over and over again, gives us this vivid image, gives me this vivid image of, oh, dang, how am I at the buffet again? Right? It's slapping my head. How did this happen? Uh, the, you know, the, the, the alcoholic pulling up to the bar and, and, and you, just, you know, six drinks later, what? what? I mean, our, our founder writes about that in Bill's story. So I'm encouraged today because the, the founders, the writers of this book, put in the times, the many, many, many times that people make a start um, either with firm oaths or without them, and and the doors of AA predict that, and the founders of AA predict that, and they also have a solution for that. You know, part of getting sober, sobering up, coming to, is to still think, to his dis- dismay, that why don't why don't I have this figured out? Um, and so, why don't we have it figured out? Well, because I am beyond human aid. I mean, that's a phrase I, I heard on these this, in these rooms, and I really it's very helpful to me. As long as I'm trying to help myself, you know, manage this thing, monitor it. I'm not. I'm saying I, I love awareness. I think awareness is good. But as long as I think I have the power to keep myself arrested one day at a time from reaching for something in a bottle of the bag to soothe myself, I'm lost. I'm in trouble. And maybe it'll take me 15 times to really start to understand that I'm in trouble and the trouble is way beyond what I can resolve for myself. And, and this book says again and again, if we must, you know, pick up, go into the bar, the buffet, wherever we go, the, McDonald's, um, the fast food uh, restaurant, then do it. But at some point, at some point, the answer is always the same if, you're, if, the spirit, if, if the problem is the same. If I have a spiritual malady, the only answer is a spiritual solution. So how do I enlarge my spiritual life? Um, 
well, if I'm starting to feel I'm an isolator by thank nature, you. thank you. And if I keep isolating, that's a symptom. So thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Carlisa. And I um, I think I also heard Pete B. in there, so Pete B. will be after at the end there. So Kelly S., you're up, followed by Tina S. Good morning, Katie. Thanks for your service. It's Kelly S., Recovered Compulsive Eater and Blimit in Oklahoma. Glad to be on the line and um, reminded why we get to um, study this book so much. So um, you guys know my story. been around 30-plus years in OA. Um, I now have about four and a half years of recovered abstinence. Never had a year before that. And so this whole new way of life is a whole new way of life for me. And um, I've never done it. I'm just going to tell you guys that. And so what did I learn from this paragraph today? So, yeah, I had to put the food down 100%. I had to concede to my innermost self that I was a real alcoholic. I had to realize I had an inner problem and only an inner solution, a higher power was going to fix that, right? Okay, so the food's down. It's been down for about four and a half years. I've been maintaining 125-pound weight loss, which I've never done in my entire life, never been abstinent this long. And so I'm, I'm trudging this path, okay? So I'm, I'm with my family for four days, and let me tell you guys, that's when we get the real chance to work this program, right? That's when I see the spiritual malady. That's when I see all my stuff come up because it's so easy to do it on these phone lines or in these rooms or even at work, but when you get with your family. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing spot check inventories, and I'm doing my nightly review, and I'm seeing the inner turmoil. You know, I don't want to be that guy in this storm cellar that comes out, and he's like, hey, man, grand, the wind stopped blowing. You know, I don't want to say, at least I'm abstinent, and I was a bitch from hell, excuse my language, at my, my family's thing, you know. So I want to find that peace. And, you know, I was telling my sponsor, I'm like, I'm doing all this stuff, you know, and, and yes, I'm spending time in prayer and meditation like I never have in my life ever, right? And I'm working with people, and I'm doing all these things. But guess what? The word that stepped out to me today and your guys' share is enlarge my spiritual life. And I was thinking about all the other aspects of, of this recovery. Okay, so with my physical part, you know, in my journey, I've had to change my abstinence a few times, you know, as I've lost weight and then maintenance. And that had to be toned, tuned in and different things. And same thing with spirituality. So, yes. You know, where 10 minutes of prayer meditation worked for a while. Working with one newcomer, well, guess what? I'm growing. I have to do more. You know, I'm going to have to spend more time. I have to enlarge it. I can't just sit where I'm at. And so it was just a good reminder this weekend, as my sponsor said, a lot of opportunities to go to God. And then to read this paragraph this morning, is it God or is it God? I have to enlarge my spiritual life. So what was working for me in the first four years? Guess what? I got to do more. And I got to grow. And if I don't, I'm going to go back. And, I'm, and I don't want to go back because this, these are my stories. You know, I've been around long enough. These are the stories about people who were abstinent and went back. And like other people shared, I never really had recovery to say I relapsed, but I was abstinent. And today I'm in recovery. I'm a recovered woman and I want to stay there. I'm going to go to God today and listen to you guys. And with that, I will pass. Thanks, Katie. Thank you, Kelly. Okay, Tina S., you're up, followed by Bossa O. Did you call on me, um, yes, Katie? Tina, I'm sorry. Go ahead, I was on please. Uh-huh. All right. Thanks yeah. so much, Katie, for your service. Tina S., recovered compulsive eater anorexic in Florida. Wow, what a great meeting. You know, I'm so grateful to be on the line and so grateful to be part of um, 
and Yahoo for registration for the convention. Sorry, I had to put that in there. And, you know, one of the things that I love that was shared by almost everybody is that, you know, I get here and, I, and I'm all willing and able and ready to go for this weight loss thing or weight gain or not obsession, you know, but am I really suiting up and showing up for the, for the work, for the real deal, you know, that I, you know, I'm all about, I'm powerless, my life's unmanageable, you know, I'm believing that there is a solution and I'm ready to make a beginning, but do I follow through? That was never my experience. You know, I always wanted something for nothing. You know, and I hate to say that because I, because I always thought I was just, you know, all that, that I, you know, didn't want something for nothing. But I so wanted everything for nothing, as little work as possible. And what was just shared through the whole meeting, you know, work and self-sacrifice for others. Oh, you know, and, you know, grateful today that I can be that way. You know, but when I got here, it was not about you. Let me just tell you, it was always about me until I realized I was not the center of the universe. Was I able to get out of that place and to really know, you know, that if I wanted this deal, I had to do it, you know, and I love that that's always shared too. You know, I can't get it by osmosis. I tried it. You know, I first came into Overeaters Anonymous in 1987. You know, I got the diet. I was on a mission, you know, and, uh, and it worked. The diet worked, you know, uh, but did I, I work the steps? No, no, until I came in here, it'll be 20 years ago next week that, that I am my abstinence state, you know, but I came in in 1987 and I left that it's talked about over the years, over my experience, I knew that on my own, I couldn't do this still. And until I was willing to let somebody else take me through the steps, the way it's outlined in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, I wasn't getting any results. And today, you know, one day at a time, I've had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, you know, and I try to carry this message to others. And, um, and so grateful to be, you know, abstinent today. And Yahoo, we get to start again. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much. Um, Tina, Vasa O, you're up, followed by Suzanne. Can you hear me? Yes, Vasa. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Katie. Thank you for your service. And good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive Vida, calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. Uh, I'm so grateful. I came in 1986, and I was given this big book. And I remember telling my sponsor, I'm not an alcoholic. Why are you giving me this book? She said, just read it, you know, just read it. And I started identifying with alcoholic, the addiction. And um, I started having more compassion about alcoholics because I was relating with them. My father was an alcoholic. And I said, oh, my God, you know, I'm so grateful to find the solution that I've been, been given this book, you know. And I hadn't lost everything yet, like uh, Jim did, but I was on the way. If I didn't find a way in the 12 steps, I was the real, I was the real compulsive reader. No one had to tell me or convince me. I, I knew what I was doing with the food. It was hell. I thought... I had arrived many, many times before I came to OA, going on diets, putting the food down for a while, but I could never, never keep it down. Keep it down. Uh, I did that forever, many, many, many years before I came to the program. And I really, I was just so ready and willing to hear the good news, to hear the solution. 
you know, if you follow this directions, Vasa, my sponsor said, it's going to work. You just have to follow it. And I just was so ready, and I had the gift of desperation. I didn't see it as a gift of desperation. I thought I was going to be punished. That was a torture for me to give up, you know, my sugary foods. You know, how could I live with those, without those foods for the rest of my life? And I was ready. I was so ready to surrender and to the, you know, to the higher power, to the 12 steps, to the program. And I just threw myself into it because I did not want to die. So how I enlarged my spiritual life, followed the, uh, the directions in this book, um, um, and have, you know, worked the steps the way they laid out, and depend on a higher, on power greater than myself to help me go through all this and help others. I, I could not, never keep what I have without giving it away. That's what my sponsor said to me many, many years ago. In order for us to keep what we have, we have to give it away. Uh, that's my time, and I pass. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Okay, I have Suzanne. I'm not sure what the initial is of your last name, followed by Fran M. Hi, it's Suzanne D. Isn't dog? Okay, thank you. Go ahead, please. Hi, yeah, I'm Suzanne. I'm a recovered compulsive reader outside of Philadelphia, and um, the meeting and the and the paragraph has me thinking about <clears throat> the whole thing with enlarging my spiritual life, because when I first came into OA about 14 years ago, I did have six years of abstinence, and, you know, I did work the steps, and, you know, I did everything I was told, (laughs) and followed direction like a good soldier, and, um, which really, um, a lot of that is related to my character defects in hindsight, um, you know, my character defect of people-pleasing and my character defect of taking control, especially of my weight, and my character defect of perfectionism. And, um, you know, of course, you know, it's all in hindsight. And, you know, they talk about, you know, really understanding these relapses. And, um, you know, <clears throat> I did try to connect with God um, on a regular. But as soon as I started gaining weight, in my abstinence, on my food plan, all bets were off. Um, And that was, um, I couldn't enlarge my spiritual life enough to overcome that wanting control over my weight. And, um, you know, just needing to kind of say this out loud because these character defects are are big for me, Um, especially the control right now. you know, whenever possible, I go for that control. And I know from step six and seven that I can't change myself, that my higher power is going to change me. And that's been my experience for the whole 15 years that I've been in recovery. Um, And I know that um, today, right now, at this moment. Um, So, um, but to enlarge my spiritual life, right now like what does that mean for me and i i i don't really know what that means i mean i know like 10 and 11 and 12 10 and 11 and 12 but um it's just still like a little bit of a mystery and um 
as I'm talking, I'm thinking, yeah, maybe it's not just 10, 11, and 12. Maybe it's also step six and seven. And um, just um, one day at a time, just keep coming back. Um, and um, thanks for letting me share. Thank you so much, Suzanne. Okay, Fran M., you're up, followed by Margot P. Hi, this is Fran M. Um, from New Jersey. Um, it says in this paragraph on page 35, the last paragraph, all went well for a time, but he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. And um, I love the part of the big book and the steps where it says we had to have an answer that had depth and meaning. In other words, that separates our program um, and the 12-step programs from a diet because it's not about changing our behavior in terms of a particular substance only. It really does get at the root of what causes us to pick up these substances. Um, you know, I don't know whether we're born with it or we acquire it, but it teaches us a way to live so that we can cope with our fears and our self-centeredness and all qualities that all human beings have, whether they're addicts or not. And I know this book was written at a time, you know, they didn't, you know, there wasn't a lot of psychoanalysis, there wasn't a lot of um, neurobiology, so they didn't really understand a lot of these things. But they did know that underneath, for us to really embrace this, it had to have depth and meaning. And that's what I love about that one line in that paragraph. And I just want to say, the big book and Bill Wilson, that, that was written for alcoholics, and we're compulsive eaters. We have distorted ways of dealing with food. And just speaking for myself, it's very different. Um, I started off uh, being a compulsive overeater and a binge eater. My disease, though, I think was kicked off by restriction. I was anorexic when I was a child. And um, I think restricting is not a good idea. I eat everything today. I eat sugar. I eat flour. Um, I have everything in my food plan. Um, for me, the disease, although I used to binge on those substances like 30, 40 years ago, I no longer do. Um, I wish I could say I did because it would make me conform more, but um, I know a lot of compulsive overeaters who started out as binge eaters who now eat all things, and they eat it moderately. They're neutral about food, um, and their life has depth and meaning, contingent on that one line in this paragraph that they enlarge their spiritual life and that they practice the steps and the tools, all the things work. I think all the things are helpful. The tools are good for the compulsive disorder that I think a lot of us may have or develop a sort of OCD, and the steps are important for enlarging the spiritual life. So, again, I just want to say if there are any people who have under-eating or anorexia or restricting or even bulimia as part of their disease, you know, for me, it really has to do with... Um, not necessarily having an, you know, the allergy is narrowly defined. It doesn't have to be a substance. It could be eating behaviors. It could be restricting. It could be a physiological high that you get through under-eating. So they're all roads to Rome, and they all work provided, I think, they have depth and meaning um, and, of course, the support of the fellowship. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Suzanne. Okay, Fran M., you're up, followed by Margot P. 
Actually, that was Fran M. and Suzanne already. Oh, went. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Thank you, Fran. I apologize. No problem. Okay, Margo, you're up, followed by TB. Margo, please uh, press star one. Yes, yes. This is Margo from Florida. I'm grateful to be on this call. You know, I didn't want it to share because it's like, huh, everybody's sharing my story. I can relate. I can relate to the story of Jim. <laughs> and so I have, been sh I have not shared in this call, but I've kept listening. I shared one time, and my sponsor said, kept sharing, keep sharing, keep sharing, because, you know, the food is going to take me back to it, you know. And in the story of the gym, gym I can really relate because I was in the program my way. I did a uh, under the relapse life I was living. I, I had a, a, a spirituality that it was dead for me in those 20 years. And today I do have a sponsor, and my sponsor said, if you don't do the step, you're going back to food. And I'm grateful for that having someone who telling me because 20 years ago, I didn't listen. It's like the story of Jim. I didn't listen. I was told what I need to do, but I wasn't listening. And now I listen. I had to do the steps. I had to do all that. And it's amazing how I wind up having this spirituality awakening in my life. Like, wow, it's a step at a time and a slowly a time because that's what it took me that long. And I'm just like, huh, the bozo of the car, like call it a drive or something like that. But for today, I know I am recovering one day at a time. Not cure, and I'm grateful for this. And this I shall pass. Thank you, everyone, for sharing the experience, strength, and hope, and honesty. Thank you. Thank you, Margo. Okay, I think I heard Pete B. If you'd like to share. Thank you, moderator. Uh, can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Pete B., compulsive overeater, recovered today by God's grace and mercy. And I, I've got, this has been such a good meeting for me because I've I really got a lot out of shares, especially this idea about enlarging my spiritual or uh, his spiritual life and the idea that there are no parameters around how big or how small this could be. And, you know, you hear, you hear oftentimes when, you know, people come back and they review what happened and they'll talk about how they, you know, I stopped going to meetings or I stopped <clears throat> calling my sponsor or I stopped connecting with others. And, you know, really I always ask them, well, when, how, when did you stop praying? When did you stop meditating? When did you stop growing spiritually, right? Because we, we look at this, you know, from, from a practical perspective and all of these steps and pragmatic things that we, that we do as, you know, that's what's enlarging our spiritual life. And those are disciplines and those are practices and those are effective, but they're, they're, they, maybe they are or maybe they are not, you know, spiritual, spiritual in their nature, Right. Like here, you know, and we heard a really good special edition on Sunday. It uh, talked about this, this bank account. Right. And then how we and then we have this spiritual bank account. Right. But you, the problem is, I don't know how to check the balance. Right. I have a mind that constantly lies to me. It's our book tells us that I'm unable to distinguish the true from the false. Right. So I can't rely on my feelings and my thoughts as this. The, as the as the balance in my spiritual bank account, right? There's the, I I don't know what the metric is, right? The, the the answer is is that on every single given day, 
I need to grow and enlarge my spiritual life. I can't stay sober. I can't stay absent on yesterday's, you know, spiritual activity. It must happen every single day. And, you know, unfortunately, I can't measure that by my emotions or by my feelings. The only thing I, that I think that I, that I think I can is, is on my actions, on my behaviors. Are, the, are, 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 those, are, are those being the demonstration of God's love, God's will, and God's way of life? Right. I, I, like I said, I just I just don't know how I, I don't know how to measure it. Like I always think we, 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 we put so much emphasis on time and distance from the last time we did this and this thing called abstinence. Right. As somebody who was abstinent for 10 years and picked up uh, and, and picked up food, if the 10 years kept them abstinent or can keep them abstinent. Right. There's there's no there's no checks and balances here. Right. It just constantly has to grow. If it doesn't grow, if I'm not moving forward, it moves backwards. And the other thing I want to say is, like, I am super, super grateful that we have, that there are people that can return to normal leaders. Our book says that our hats are off to them. That is fantastic. But there are true characteristics, defining characteristics to people that have this disease. And if we've outgrown them and we've gotten better as a result of this practice, I mean, they use the 12 steps for everything. I mean, there's no, there's nothing, there's nothing you know, that, 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 that this way of life can improve, right? Time, please. Thank you, I'll pass. Oh, thank you so much, Pete. Okay, we have time for one more share. Is there a burning desire out there? You have two minutes. Melissa, say. Okay, Melissa. Sorry, Jason, if you could jump on the second hour. Melissa C., I heard you. Hi, good morning. Thank you, oh, gosh. Thank you so much, Melissa, we recovered. Compulsive overeater in New York, and um, I got so much out of this meeting this morning. And uh, what I was really thinking about was this enlarging as I was listening my spiritual life, and how um, you know I know I need to enlarge something when what I'm doing feels tight and uncomfortable and restricting. And um, and thank you God, you know, for my practice of prayer and meditation, which is great. And I loved it. You know, I was saying to someone the other day, I would be so happy if, um, and this sounds horrible, if sometimes my family would go away and just let me pray and meditate. Wouldn't that be great? Um, but that's not really enlarging and perfecting my spiritual life. You know, it's what do I do when my prayer and meditation are over? And, you know, and, and I really had a great opportunity um, just this weekend to enlarge and perfect my spiritual life. And for me, it's sometimes it's dirty. You know, I sometimes it means I actually get my hands dirty. It might mean pulling weeds for my husband, you know, because I wanna I wanna be loving and kind, not because I want people pleased or I want him to arrest a statue in my honor, but just to do it without you know, without accolades. And for me, that's for my spiritual life. That's for I enlarge and grow. When I'm willing to do the things that I don't want to do um, for the benefit of others. And, you know, this program has taught me that. My, you know, my husband loves me, but um, he really doesn't, okay, it's really nice you're in a normal-sized body now. That's not a demonstration of anything for God. Am I willing to be useful? Am I willing to make those 
living amends that I said I was going to make, you know, when I did my inventory, I said I was going to be a more of a participant in this family. And, yeah, I sometimes seems getting my hands dirty. And do Time, I like please. It? Thank you so much. With that object, I might not like it, but it keeps me sober. Thank you. Thank you so much, Melissa, and thank you, everyone, who helped to make this meeting possible and everyone who shared. Um, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Tuesday, June 25th, 2019, is 13,074. That's 13074. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Becca R. please read A Vision for You, Our Book is Meant to Be Suggestive Only. Hey, it's Becca R. Recovered from Kentucky. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day to the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand him. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.